This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Psalms 148 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heaven, and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that would never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hills, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princesses and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And He has raised up for His people a horn, the praise of all His faithful servants of Israel, the people close to His heart. Praise the Lord. Shall we pray? I should ask the Lord to help us to understand His word. God, Father, we thank you so much that you are indeed worthy to be praised. Father, even as we come under your word today, we pray that you will teach us, teach us how to praise you aright. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I would like to begin with a question for all of you. What does it take for the whole world to praise God? Well, if you are on social media like Facebook, or for the younger people, I'm sure some of you have Instagram, it's not actually very difficult to do that. You know, every holiday that you went to, all the beautiful pictures that you see on the sceneries, they take on their cameras, on their cell phones. It is not difficult to say, isn't this part of God's awesome and wonderful creation? Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Well, Auntie Linda, Auntie Linda is over there. Many of you will know from the 4pm chat group, have posted many wonderful pictures of their family recent trip you know, to Switzerland, to Croatia and to Serbia. These are awesome places. I mean, if anyone of you want to you know, uh, get a copy of the pictures, please join the 4 p.m. chat group. Yeah. But these are great pictures, great sceneries, places I'm sure you are thrilled and excited as you look at them. But just in case, in case your excitement takes you high up to the roof of Marina Bay Sands, and you start singing the familiar song, you know the familiar song that we always sing? Hallelujah, let all creation stand and sing. Suddenly your friend shows you a straight-time clip 
about three dogs and cats being killed, being poisoned or injured. Or you suddenly come to hear about a community being swept away by a tsunami, you know, as close as our surrounding nation like Thailand. I mean, as you pause, as you take a breather, you begin to wonder to yourself, maybe it's not so wonderful after all. You know, we can still praise God, we can still proclaim the glory of God, but then you have to be selective. So then the question for all of us is that, what will it actually take for the whole world, unambiguously, harmoniously, to praise God and to reflect the glory of God? Well, we'll soon find out as we look at today's passage. Thank you for joining with us over the last couple of weeks. We have been looking into the last few chapters in the book of Psalms in what has been known as the Hallelujah Chorus. What these few psalms make a loud call to the audience, the choir members on how they can praise God. Alright, two weeks ago, we look at Psalms 146. The psalmist was calling on his people to praise the God of the gospel. How he is the one that can be trusted. And last week, the people were called to rejoice. Rejoice in the God of the church. How he's the God who disciples the church. How he's the God who gathers the church. And how he's the God who sustains the church through tough and difficult times. And today, today there's a big shout on loud healer. He's calling not only the church, but to all the inhabitants to praise the God of creation. Well, it will be helpful. You can keep your Bible or your service sheet open to Psalms 148. Try to follow along. The structure of this Psalms is very, very simple. Well, Psalms 1 to 4, the psalmist is addressing, is calling to the various inhabitants in heaven. So it's a place that's up here to praise the Lord. So it's a lot of focus on the high, high stuff. And then he gives them the reason for doing so in verses 5 to 6. And then verse 7 to 12, uh, the scene changes. The, the, the psalmist, instead of addressing to the inhabitants up on heaven, is now addressing to the inhabitants on earth to praise him. So the focus on the low stuff. And similarly, he gives the reasons for doing so in verse 13. So very simple, very straightforward. And as you look at this passage, it sounds like a very perfect choir here. I think most of you who are in choir members will probably can relate to this. You know, we have a two section that's up here. I mean, half section that's up here, another half section that's down here. So we are looking for the perfect orchestra. There you have it. Half the soprano, half the tenor up there. Half the bass and half the auto down here. And they're all singing harmoniously and unison together. Notice as the psalmist calls out the inhabitants from heaven in verse 2. You can see that there is a progression. No, it starts with the one that's right up there, right at the top, which is the angelic beings or the heavenly hosts. Well, a question you may ask, who are these 
angelic hosts. Or who are these angels? Well, we are told elsewhere in the Bible that they are messengers of God. They have supernatural power. And very often, as you see in the Bible, they are sent by God, sent by God to carry a message to His people. They are also rational beings. You know, they can decide whether to praise God or not to praise Him. And then we move downwards to verse 3 and 4. And what we see, the heavenly objects. You've got the stars, the sun, and the moon. And then you have the highest expenses, the waters above the sky. Most of you who are familiar with the creation story in Genesis will find it very familiar. It's actually the same list of things that is described there. Now each of them, as you look at the different objects, well, they may be, they are created differently in terms of its shape, differently in terms of its form, and also differently in terms of its purpose. You know, they have a common, common objective. You know, when the music starts to play, uh, each of them without exception. I'm not too sure whether you notice the word all keep appearing in the first four verses. And what do they do? Each one of them harmonizing together just to do one thing. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise the name of the Lord. And before we move on to the reasons why all these created beings praise God, I would like to stop for a moment to understand the meaning of the word heaven. Because that's where all the praises come from, right? In one way, heaven refers to the sky up there. Beyond what we can see, beyond what we can reach. In a poetic way, it's also described a place where it's simply out of reach. Out of reach from us. Too inaccessible. And the Bible also tells us this is also a place where God lives. That probably explains why there are so many people down the centuries. No, they like to worship heavenly objects like stars, moons, and the sun. And not surprisingly, I mean, so it's surprising, but very surprisingly, we also see that in churches where angels are also being worshipped. And why do they do that? Because all these objects have an element of being powerful, being unreachable. But the psalmist says over here, powerful, unreachable they may be, they are called instead to praise to the one who is more powerful than them. Why is that so? Well, verse 5 and 6 give us two reasons for that. And look down with me to verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created. Well, all the things that we have seen just now, they are only created stuff. They simply exist because someone created them. Well, as I pause here, after reading through these couple of verses, I have a puzzle. 
You know, you are someone who have puzzles when you read through the Bible. Let me tell you, it is a very good thing. It shows that you are thinking hard about the passage. And the puzzle that I have over here is that how can all these heavenly objects praise God? I mean, with the exceptions of angels, or the sun, the moon, and the stars, I mean, they don't have mouth, they don't have voices, right? You can't force them to say or sing, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the Lord of creation. You can't do that, right? They won't say a simple thing back to you. That's why verse 6 helps us to solve this puzzle. And look down with me together to verse 6. And He, God, Establish them forever and ever, and it shall not pass away. God established a structure. He put an order in place. He put a decree for these objects. God is telling all the sun, the moon, and the stars, do what I tell you, or what I make you to do. I'm not too sure for some of you, as you look I mean, some of you, when you go on holidays, I don't know any one of you look forward to see sunrise or sunset, especially you've got beautiful sceneries. Uh, I'm sure some of you have this similar experience before, right? I think we look forward to that. I think, and especially if the weather holds, a lot of us will never be disappointed. And why is that so? Why is it that we'll never be disappointed? Well, we are not disappointed because we know that the sun will never fail to rise up from 6 to 7 in the morning. And will never fail to fall between 6 to 7 in the evening. If you flip over to the pages in the earlier chapter of Psalms, or you can look at the projector up here, Psalms 19 verse 1 tells us a very important truth. It tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. So how can the sun, how can the moon, how can the stars praise God? Just simply what they are and what they are made to be. And for this we praise God. We praise God for the beauty, for the creativity of His creation. And we praise God for His life-giving power. The psalmist then move on to the second half of the Psalms. You now when we move down now, instead of heaven, now he take an helicopter, zoom down all the way below the water surface, ready to get them to be ready with their songs. Notice the first group in verse 7 and 8. You have the sea creatures there, everything that's underneath the oceans. So on one hand, you can refer to animals like whales or even some of the sea creatures that you know. I think most of you who learn about children's storybook, you probably know more sea creatures than me. Yeah, but you know from the experience, children very often will associate sea creatures with all the wild stuff. You know, they see the fishes, the whales, they roam freely in the sea. And then the psalmist move on to talk about the lightning and the hail, the snow and the clouds and stormy winds, as you see in verse 8. These are what we call the wild and dangerous 
weather occurrences that you see, that you observe. Different forms, different combinations. It also gives you a picture that it looks a bit chaotic. It seems very unsettling, especially when you see lightning and thunder around. It's very unsettling. And also something that you feel that not any time, any place, it can happen. But yet, as you look down to the end of the same verse, verse 8, notice the surprise there. They are the ones who do God's bidding. They fulfill God's work to accomplish His purpose. And God's basically trying to say, I am the one who made this happen. Well, the second group, as we move up to verse 9 and 10, and what we see is the mountains and the hills, and got the agricultures, like the fruit trees, the cedars, and then you've got the farm animals, you've got the wild animals, the small creatures and the flying birds. Not another familiar catalogue of these that you see in Genesis 1. And just as we saw with the heavenly objects earlier, they are summoned to praise God. And the way they praise God is the same. Just simply what they are and what they are created to do. The last group of inhabitants on earth which is by far the most important. Notice how we move on uh, from the high stuff in heaven, you know, starting with the angels right at the top, to the heavenly objects. And then in the second session, we start all the way down, down from the earth, the sea creatures, and then gradually moving up to the wild and the farm animals. Well, there's still one important group that's missing here, right? No, in the choir or in the band, I'm not too sure whether you notice. Many of you will probably know the importance of lead singer or the lead vocalist. These are what we call the the front man or the woman in the choir or band. And the voices are the most prominent among all the other all the voices that you hear in the performance. Not just like what band and Liz and Nick is doing just now. But more importantly, they got a very important role. Their role is to lead the singing for the rest of the group. No, you may have all the other creations that we saw earlier. But good as it may be, let me tell you that they are only backup vocalists, backup singers. They are not the main singers. And that's why, as you look down with me to verse 11 and 12, what you see here are the human stuff. So the big question is that, why does God put human beings, you and me, as the lead singers? Why, why instead of the animals, why, why human beings? Well, you look back to Genesis 1, every of the animals and living creatures that God has created, what he said that it was good. But notice, after he had created human beings, notice the response from God. He said that it was not only good, but very good. But why was it very good? Chapter 1, verse 27 in Genesis, the slide up here, 
He tell us, He show us that we are God's image bearer. We are made to be like God. And therefore, as image bearer, God gave us this wonderful responsibility. The responsibility of leading the rest of creation to do one thing. But before we come to that one thing, I want you to notice with me in verse 11 and 12. Who are the people described by the psalmist over here? Well, they are likely to be God's people from the nation Israel. And that's why we have the, the kings of the earth, you have the princes, you have the nations. But these are the rulers and the very influential people. And then you have the young and the old men, you have the women and the children. Notice with me, there's no distinction. No distinction of gender, no distinction of age, no distinction of social status. I think it's a popular word that you probably have heard it before, what you call the unity in diversity. A list that includes basically every human being, without exceptions. And coming back to the question, what are they called to do? Well, they're called to lead the rest of the creations, the inhabitants up on heaven, the inhabitants down on earth, to do the one thing, and that is to praise, praise the Lord. And what is the reason? What is the reason why you and I are called to praise God? Verse 13 gives an interesting truth over here. Verse 13 says, God's name is to be exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. I mean, in other words, we who are the lead singers, who are the image bearer, knows exactly why we are to praise God. We know what He has created. We know the power, we know the majesty, and we know the greatness of God. I mean, these are the things that He revealed to us, not just by what we see outside of us, but more importantly, what He has personally told us in this wonderful book. And therefore, we are called, whether you are young and old, whether you are man or woman, whether you are rich or not so rich, whether you are office cleaner, or whether you are CEO of a company, no exemption at all. We are all called to praise Him. Well, if I would add out the passage in verse 13, actually it's, it's a very nice way to finish off. So each of us praising the Maker, each of us doing what we are supposed to do. But then somewhere down the choir performance, you notice that the volume suddenly drops off. The keys started to go out of tune. Worse is to come. The lead singer stopped singing. And he said, they now do the opposite. They decided to walk from the stage. They're not going to sing anymore. Well, those of you who can remember the days when I was still in school, so I don't know you all still can remember. No matter who you are, whether you're Chinese, whether you're Malay, or whether you're Indian, no matter where you stay, whether you stay in a HDB or whether you stay in a condo, whether you stay in Bukit Timah or whether you stay in Pulau Ubin, or even whether you're teachers or whether you're students, 
one thing you always have to do every morning at 7.30. Can you tell me what it is? Look at the picture here. Standing on the parade square, singing Majula Singapura together as one. For those of you who follow this long enough, just like me, eh, will know that not every student or not every teacher will sing the national anthem. I remember during my school days, myself included, some of us will find all sorts of ways just not to be in the assembly hall. We're just not interested to sing. I mean, what more in the language, like Malay language they're not familiar with? And I don't even bother to understand the meaning in those days. So similar as what we have seen over here, each of us may be called to praise God, but there is a problem. And the problem is with us. The problem with human beings, I mean, you and I don't know what's going on with the angels up there, but we know exactly what is wrong with human beings. We know by nature, if you and I are called to praise God with our songs, with our, all of our life, our natural tendency is not to do so. We want to praise ourselves instead of praising Him. We are brought up in an environment where every success that you have, whether you achieve the best results in school, whether you have climbed up to the top of your career ladder, or whether you are champion in the sports that you have excelled in. Very often, we all credited the success down to our own hard work. Though we love the praise that comes from people around us, where it says, congratulations, well done, you have made it, your hard work has paid off, you deserve it. And I think that's exactly where the problem is. In Romans 1, chapter 8, Chapter 1, verse 18 to 23, we have gone through this passage sometime back. The Apostle Paul actually highlights the root of our problem. We, the creation, we can't give an excuse that we don't know God. Paul says that his power from all that we have seen, his creation around us, is clear for us to see. I mean, the problem as you diagnose in verse 21 is that we do not honor. Even we see all these things, all his wonderful creation. The problem is that we do not honor and we do not praise him. We do not give thanks to him. We decided that we are smart enough, smart enough than God. And then we decide that instead of praising God, we decide to praise ourselves. We decided to praise the images that we have created. And that is why we need verse 14. The good thing that this psalm doesn't start at verse 13. Otherwise, we'll be hanging in the balance. You see, the vision, the vision of the creation, I mean, the vision of the choir, singing in harmony, in praise of God, not being brought together in unity, being brought together in harmonious praise. Without verse 14, there will be no hope of the vision ever to come true. The simple truth is that man simply is not going to praise God on our own. 
So where is the solution going to come from? The good news is that God will come up with a solution himself. It's not us that come up with a solution. It's God himself. And what is he going to do? Notice down with me in verse 14. He is going to raise up a horn to praise him. Well, horn is a picture of strength. Horn is a picture of honor. And animals who have horns, you probably have noticed it, as you can see from the picture up here. They are usually used as chief weapons you know, in any kind of battle that they are involved in. And the Bible, God himself is the one who is all-powerful. God is the one who is very strong. And he often uses horn as a metaphor. As a way for him to transfer his strength. And it's the king, very often, whom God will transfer his strength to. In verse Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, Samuel, I think, was one of the prophets, you all notice in the Old Testament, he actually took the horn of the oil and anointed David. This David will later become the king of Israel. So the big question is for us, who is this horn? Who is this king? Who is this leader that God is going to say will be a strength for his people? Who will lead the people to praise him perfectly? Well, in some ways, this might point to a group of remnant people returning back from exile to begin the process of rebuilding the temple so that God's people can once again praise Him. But it points forward to someone who is much greater, someone who is descendant of the great King David. Someone who can praise God perfectly because he is without sin. Someone who can cure and solve the problem of our self-praise heart. You will also need someone who is close to God. And because of that, to be able to bring his people who are by nature far away from him to be near to him. It's going to be a human being who's going to be a perfect image bearer of God. Someone who's going to rule the universe for him. A task where Israel was called to do, but not able to do so. Many hundred years after this psalm was written, a priest was promised a son. Praise God by the Holy Spirit with this beautiful song. Very beautiful. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. And this priest was singing about a son of the carpenter, Jesus of Nazareth, who is a human being, who is a descendant of King David, who is a horn, who is a strength, who is a leader, who is a rescuer for his people who because he deals with the problem of sin in our heart, is now able to raise up sinners like you and me and bring us close to the Father's side. Dear friends, I want each of us to reflect this important question very honestly to yourself. 
Are you praising the Creator God? Or is there something else? Somebody else that's taking away your job and your responsibility of praising Him? If you are not under the horn today, let me say that you will not praise Him. Because as we read in Romans 1 just now, well, you may know the reasons why we need to praise Him, but you're not going to do so because of this heart problem that's inside you. A heart that's darkened, a heart that's foolish, a heart that we think that we are wiser and smarter than the Creator God. Dear friends, can I invite those of you who are not under the horn to consider coming to Jesus? Jesus is calling you today to turn back and to join this wonderful choir that He assembled. The choir who are definitely praising God. Because when we look at this horn, when we look at this new choir leader, we will have nothing but thanks and praise to God because of what this horn has done. This horn has saved us. This horn has rescued us. And when we look at this Jesus who went to the cruel cross to die for your sins and my sins and subsequently raised to life, we will be singing this wonderful song. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord because of this wonderful and great salvation that we have received. Well, for the rest of you, for Christians you know, who are already under the horn, I mean, there might be some of you here who, are, who feel like we don't want to praise God today. Maybe you are feeling by the weight of the, the struggles and the pressures of life. Maybe as you see the news, as you look at what is around you, you, know, you see the evil, you see the injustice, you see the suffering, you see the persecution of Christians around the world. You are deeply disappointed. You are wondering to yourself, does God care? What about the vision? The vision of the whole perfect creation. Without exception. Praising Him. Is it going to happen? Or have it simply disappeared? Well, the Bible says that that day is going to come. Now, not the time yet. He's encouraging you to hang on for a little while. To keep praising Him in the small ways. Whether it's in your workplace, with your Christian colleagues, whether it's at home with your family members, or whether it's at this small little place, you know, the small local church of 20 people that gathers here at 4pm every Sunday. Good news is that God has not finished His work of forming the complete and the majestic choir. Jesus is still calling. Jesus is still gathering. Jesus is still uniting. Jesus is still extending His invitation to those who are not trusted in Him to join in this choir with Him. The choir that is preparing, the choir that is looking forward to a wonderful day where to be joined together with all of His creation, heaven and earth, to do the very one thing we are called to do in Psalms 148. When is the day going to come? 
Can I invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 12? Or you can look at the projection up here. After this I look, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Notice that day. Notice that they were the total vision of God, without exception. Of all of His creation. You notice the word all over here, or every word? No? Without exception. All of His creation, all of His angels, all of His people, in every nation and tribes, that vision will be finally realized. And there's no other reason why that will not happen. And on that day, the creation will have been groaning in frustration because of sin and the fallen nature. Well, they can finally sing for joy because Jesus, our King, has finally made everything new. There will not be any more chaos, no more disorder. Everything will look just splendid, majestic in all its beautiful order. And on that day, there will be no more evil. Because Jesus the conqueror has put to sword all those who have rebelled and turned away from him. Each of those who have rejected him, each of those who have turned away from him. The sad news is that they will play no further part in this new choir. And the reason why? Because they have all been cast into the lake of fire. And the only noise that we will hear from them, not the praise of God, the only noise and voice that you probably will hear from them will just be the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And on that day, you and I, you and I who are in Christ, who by nature are self-praised people. Oh, the wonderful news is that we will be part of His perfect, complete choir with all of His people. And we all praise God because Jesus the Maker has finally given us a new body where we will never be decayed. Where every praise that comes up from our lips, no, they will not be directed to ourselves. But every single praise going back to God. We will praise God because Jesus the ruler has brought us into the new internal city, the place that will dwell with God forever and ever. 
close and direct to him. Never to be separated from him again. What will it take for the whole world to praise God? What will it take for you and me to praise Him? Praise and thank God because of Jesus. Shall we close in prayer? God, Father, we thank you that you are our creator. Your name is indeed to be exalted. Your majesty is above the heavens and the earth. Heavenly Father, our appropriate response to you is to praise you rightly. But we know, Father, that our natural sinful self is to praise ourselves instead of you. Father, we thank you, therefore, for Jesus. Thank you that he is a horn of salvation for those of us who have trusted in him. We thank you that because of his death and resurrection, he has made us to be praised people that can sing of your wonderful creation, that can sing of what Christ has done for us. Father, we pray, we pray that you'll fill our hearts with deep gratitude and praise to you. Even in the struggles and the troubles of life, Father, help us to look forward to the glorious day. Help us to keep trusting you, to look forward to the day where your people and all of your creation can sing with joy and praise. Praise to the one who has defeated sin. Praise to the one who has defeated death. And the one who has made everything new. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.